Let's get it going on another weekend, another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Boy, there's plenty to catch up on here as we've uh, gotten ourselves into another situation where it almost looks like spring, but by the end of this week, we might not think so once again. It's just up and down and up and down. Speaking of up and down... Let's uh, quickly bring in Bob Brogan here for just a second. Now, there was actually an earthquake in the region? A light earthquake, a mild earthquake, uh, about four miles southeast of uh, Arnold in Custer County. And and as of right now, from what we know and what we've learned, uh, uh, no damage, no injuries, no nothing like that. We understand there was at least one head of cattle that went, hmm? What was that? <laughs> you didn't feel anything in surprise, there, did you? No surprise in surprise? No, it's it's pretty quiet. If we feel a rumbling, it's only because somebody's driving really fast down the gravel road with a with a grain truck. So, Susan Littlefield, we finally tracked you down again. Yeah, I know. I took a day off to go to the, the great state of Illinois and just tell folks, if you think it's bad here, uh-huh. we are way better off than some of the other states financially. So just take a deep breath and move forward. All right, we'll do that. How was the party, by the way? It was amazing. She was a beautiful bride. It was it was so much fun. We're talking, of course, about I was in Jesse um, Hardy, now Campbell's wedding this right. weekend. So she made a beautiful bride, and it was fun to catch up with a lot of folks that I knew as well. All right, well, we yeah. knew she would. Tell us what the ag team has been up to, Susan. It has been busy, as you know. Of course, we wrapped up this past weekend the Nebraska State FFA, and we're going to meet those state FFA officers more in detail. Of course, you maybe you can catch it. We did have a Facebook Live, and you can go back and see them face-to-face and the conversation held there, but a little bit more in-depth coming up with Bryce at 1245. 1219, I catch up with two senators, Deb Fisher and Joni Ernst. Of course, Senator Ernst from the state of Iowa, as they both give their two cents on what's been happening with trade and China and what needs to take place as we move forward. Then at 117, uh, Clay checks in with Dr. Kev Sullivan on five-star cattle handling. So lots of fun things happening over the midday. All right. Susan, thanks. And Jason Jorgensen on sports. Good finish to the Masters. Husker baseball team continues to struggle. Also, we'll let you hear about one of the newcomers that is uh, making his mark so far in spring practice for the Husker football team. Getting back to earthquake talk. Yeah. I have some friends live out in California. Last year, last week they had about a 5.3. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, you know, guys, how'd you handle that? And they're like, that's nothing. Yeah. Just goes to tell you your perspective. Yeah. It's 3.3 perspective. here is news, yeah. 5.3 in California. I read, ah. I read a chart somewhere that says that if you have a book leaning up against other books on a rack, it might topple it. You know, at 3.3, yeah. maybe. Bob Rogan on business. Well, the uh, markets certainly aren't quaking. Uh, tech and bank stocks are leading early gains for the stocks today. And also, Trump is tweeting about stupid trade. So we'll learn a little bit more about that. And Russia promises to support companies just hit by U.S. sanctions. So those are some of the stories coming up. Markets not quaking. Never one to pass up an opportunity. What a pro. Well, um... As I sit here and uh, it's what he's all about. Yeah, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is midday on the Rural Radio Network. Paul Perkins joins us now with a look at ag weather presented by Coolman Repair, and so we get a little reprieve. It gets almost to spring, and then once again, <laughs> you're going to pull the rug out from under. Yeah, better enjoy three days worth of it before yes, it turns colder once again, and unfortunately, <laughs> looks like for the long term, it's going to be. 
colder than normal. That's after we had a record cold start Saturday morning. A lot of locations got down into the single digits, including Ord, had two above for the state low in Nebraska. Three above was reached at McCook, and four above was reached at Alliance in North Platte. Many locations had single digits Saturday morning if you thought it yeah, was cold. Yeah. And you said as, as far as first weeks in April go? Yes, it was the second uh, April after uh, it was the coldest week, of, the second coldest week ever in, for record keeping across the area. Uh-huh. And it was the coldest first week of April in 82 years. So it was the coldest first week of April for all of us for the pretty much the most part because the last time it was this cold was 82 years ago in the first week of April. <laughs> Someone needs to invite old man winter to another destination. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, yeah. second coldest first week of April last week. Uh, today is going to be cooler after we saw some nice temperatures yesterday. It did make it into the low and mid-60s in quite a few locations, including 68 in McCook. After they had a morning low of three above Saturday morning, but a nice day yesterday across the area. Today's cooler with a little more cloud cover after the passage of a cold front. Still a little bit of light rain across southern Kansas from Wichita into the southwest corner. Uh, They definitely need it there. We will clear out the skies tonight as high pressure pushes south. And once again, temperatures look to be much warmer than normal tomorrow through Thursday after that cold start to April. Tomorrow through Thursday, we'll see a ridge of high pressure build east of the Rockies. And that will result in much warmer than normal temperatures. A lot of locations hitting into the 70s and most likely some 80s over the southwest. The weather turning active once again Friday into the first part of the weekend as low pressure crosses the plains. Snow and rain are possible Friday evening into Saturday. A surge of cold air behind the cold front will be accompanied by stiff north winds. Now, any gains in warming up that soil Temperature in the midweek is going to be lost in the long-term forecast. So if those temperatures start getting into the mid to upper 70s in the middle of the week, you're thinking, ah, maybe, maybe we'll be safe for planting. You may want to think again. There's a good likelihood temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the nation will be colder than normal. This weekend through April 22nd, our precipitation forecast starts drier than normal this weekend through early next week. Most of Nebraska and Kansas will trend near normal to slightly above normal on precipitation the middle of next week through the 22nd. Very dry southwest Kansas, though, will stay with below normal precipitation. Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning in the low to mid-30s in Nebraska, the upper 30s to low 40s towards Kansas. Weather factors driving market trade include a limited round of milder weather in the Midwest and additional dryness in the southern plains. The next several days, a temporary weather pattern change will result in warm air shifting from the west to the east. Precipitation will be light across most of the country. Late in the week, snow expected across the nation's northern tier while rain develops in the lower Mississippi Valley. The potential for fieldwork in the Midwest will be for a limited time before the midweek warm-up is followed by more rain and cool weather. Dry weather will persist the next 10 days in the southern high plains. That dry weather, along with the strong wind event later in the week, will maintain high stress levels on the developing wheat. That's after temperatures this last weekend dip below a 20 as far south as northern Texas. And producers right now watching joint team winter wheat for any signs of freeze injury there. I don't know what to say. I, I'm looking out at my backyard today and thinking, well, maybe this is finally at an end. And the first thing that I saw was one little snowflake. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we had a few flurries across the area this morning. Didn't result in too much. Also a little bit of light rain. But yeah, uh, winter just not giving up and 
It looks like it's going to hold on for most of April here. All right, your ag weather at midday brought to you by Coolvin Repair and when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. Nebraskans will go another year without property tax relief. I'm Shaylee Peters, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network as we take a midday check of Ag News. Beginning after the session adjourned on Friday and continuing through Sunday night, Speaker Jim Shear, Senator Jim Smith, Senator Tom Brisey, Senator Mike Groney, Senator Burkhar, Senator Kurt Friesen, and Senator Steve Erdman met to discuss ways to revive the tax debate before the legislature. They have agreed to release the following statement. Over the weekend, we met to see if there was a path forward using the components of the bills introduced to address property taxes. We recognize that education costs and traditional sources of education funding create burdens on taxpayers in both equalized and unequalized districts. In looking to correct the problem, we need accountability for state funding of education, both financially and for educational outcomes. The difference came as to how to fix the problem. Differences included whether to raise new dollars, reduce expenditures, economic growth, and or a combination of any or all. Unfortunately, we were unsuccessful. We want to thank Speaker Shear for showing leadership and bringing all parties together to attempt to find a solution. Today is the final day for bills to receive first round approval and all three measures to deal with property taxes still face filibusters. And the 90th Nebraska FFA State Convention concluded on Friday with the installment of the 2018-2019 State Officer Team. Before the convention, 31 students applied to serve as a Nebraska FFA State Officer. The candidates were part of an interview process conducted by the 2018 Nebraska FFA Nominating Committee. The committee selected Amanda Most from Ogallala FFA Chapter, which was established here very recently in 2015, as their state president. She talks about what she felt when her name was announced. It's absolutely crazy. I remember leaving convention my sophomore year after my first convention and thinking how cool it would to be a state officer, but I never thought it would come true. Most says in her year as president, she wants to be able to reach out to all FFA members across the state. My passion is FFA and agriculture, and I just hope that all the students I meet throughout the year, I can help them find their passion, whatever it may be. Find a video with a full officer interview by visiting ruralradio.com. And another ag news citing China's tariff response on farmers and manufacturers. President Donald Trump called the U.S. trade ambassador to consider another possible $100 billion in tariffs on China. He also called on the Secretary of Agriculture to use his broad authority to implement a plan to protect our farmers and agricultural interests. The White House announced the president's latest tariff push on China late last week in response to China's decision Tuesday proposing a 25% tariff on $50 billion in U.S. products, including $16.5 billion in agricultural commodities. The Chinese Ministry of Commerce wasted little time on Friday replying that China will fight at any cost and take comprehensive countermeasures if the United States continues its unilateral protectionist practices, a spokesperson with the ministry said in a statement. The Chinese ministry added that if the United States continues its protectionism regardless of opposition from China, China and the international community, China will fight to end at any cost to protect the interest of the country and the people. The conflict was initiated by the United States' provocation, the spokesperson said. Despite appearing to take a more aggressive posture against China, the White House said the U.S. is still prepared to talk more about fair and reciprocal trade with China, but also protecting technology and intellectual property of U.S. companies. 
if the U.S. were to impose additional tariffs, they would be subject to the same kind of public comment period as the proposed tariffs announced April 3rd, the U.S. Trade Representative stated. Again, keep up with all of our ag news, audio and video anytime by visiting RuralRadio.com. That's a quick look to your midday ag news. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Frustration continues, especially when it comes to trade. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. As more and more discussion happens around tariffs and trade, especially with China, those in Washington, D.C. are sharing their thoughts and opinions. That includes Iowa Senator Joni Ernst. And I spoke directly with the president on Wednesday and expressed those concerns directly to him about where the farmers are situated right now, especially those that are producing soybeans, our, our beef, our pork. We've seen a number of actions. And he was very encouraging. He, he understands uh, what the uh, American farmer is going through. He calls it a process. I think it, from his perspective, he is trying to get into a really good negotiating stance uh, with whether it's China or other countries. Um, I just, you know, demonstrated to him uh, through the markets, again, he pays attention to that, that uh, when we are talking about tariffs, we see market prices drop, and that's hard on our farmers. So he understands that. What we're hoping is that he does come out um, with a stronger stance for America. China, hopefully, will continue to purchase our soybeans. We haven't seen the tariffs go into effect yet, so we want to make sure that our farmers have the opportunity to speak out and share their thoughts and concerns about it. Um, I did mention to the president that instead of closing off markets through tariffs and other means, that we should be looking at ways we can promote our products overseas and grow new markets and new opportunities for farmers. And he did mention they are working on a number of other avenues. And he asked what I thought about, you know, getting our products into the European Union. And I said, of course, any market where we can engage would be a great advantage for our American farmers. So uh, hopefully we'll get some great feedback from our farmers, get that straight to the president, and hopefully we can work through this tariff situation. Also sharing concerns, Nebraska Senator Deb Fisher. Uh, we do have 30 days. Uh, I am hopeful the president is getting a message. He has certainly heard from me. I spoke to a number of people on his staff yesterday, and my staff has been in constant contact. Um, Senator Thune was here a couple days ago. He was my guest up in northeast Nebraska, and this was even before the announcement was made, and there there's still concerns about trade. I've worked really hard on NAFTA. That's something I met with the president on before Christmas. I was with a group of, there were six of us that had lunch with him in the White House. So we have been constantly putting the ag issues before the president. Uh, we're going to keep doing that, and we do have some time here, and um, I'm, I'm going to continue to push, continue to fight, so that he understands the importance of our trade relationships that we have with these countries, and really that have taken years, years to develop with these countries. It's been frustrating for some producers. I've had conversations with them, that they hear those in Washington in the Trump administration who say agriculture quit whining. One producer said, I want to say, then stop eating. Stop yeah. wearing clothes. Yeah. Stop driving cars. Yeah. I, As you know, I'm a, I'm a cattle rancher. I'm an ag producer. We are not whining. We are presenting our case. We are advocating for uh, something that is important to Nebraska. Agriculture is the economic engine of this state, and we can never forget that. People all over Nebraska realize that. 
when ag is suffering, our state budget suffers. One in four jobs dependent upon agriculture here in the state of Nebraska. No, we are not whining. We are presenting our case. We are advocating. Two senators focusing on trade and its effects on agriculture. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network. Again, time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, despite loading the bases in both the 8th and ninth innings, the Husker baseball team was swept by Michigan State, losing the second game of that shortened series 5-3. Spartans took the lead with two runs in the bottom of the 8th. Both of those runs scored on wild pitches. And head coach Darren Erstad talks about his team's recent dry spell. They're going to keep competing. They're not going to back down. I mean, they... That's not the, the issue. The effort there, the effort's there. It's just you know when 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 teams when a team's struggling, you find ways to lose, and we're re- rewriting the book on finding ways to lose. Erstad made his comments on his post game show on the Husker Sports Network. NU has now lost four in a row to fall the two and six in conference action. They'll be back in action tomorrow when they take this short trip to Manhattan to face off against Kansas State. The weather looks decent for that one. Game time tomorrow night is set for 6.30. Due to the snow, the Cubs' home opener at Wrigley has been pushed back to tomorrow. The Chicago area has seen steady snowfall for most of the day. The Cubs' game against Pittsburgh was scheduled to start at 1.20. Chicago, believe it or not, is the last major league team to have its home opener. Well, spring practice continued over the weekend for the Huskers. A number of newcomers are trying to make their mark. Running backs coach Ryan Hild says he likes what he sees out of junior college transfer Greg Bell. Yeah, he had a good day today. He's got really good feet. You know, he's nicknamed the Eel. He can get in little small slots. Like today, he had a really good run. I want to see him try to outrun the guy and not cross his face and score. I told him that, but I mean, he did some really good thinking it up. Bell was a big pickup this offseason for the Huskers and Scott Frost's first recruiting class. The Lions have signed quarterback Matt Castle. Detroit put the free agent on the roster today. He played sparingly in the last two years in Tennessee. The veteran has also played for Dallas, Buffalo, Minnesota, Kansas City, and New England. If you remember, he started 15 games in 2008 with the Patriots when Lions general manager Bob Quinn and coach Matt Patricia also worked for that franchise. And Patrick Reed was able to conquer a pair of outstanding competitors before donning a green jacket early last night. The 27-year-old Texan closed out with a 171 to win his first major championship as he held off Ricky Fowler by one stroke. Reed pulled ahead of Jordan Spieth with an 8-foot birdie on the 14th hole. He stayed in front with a par-saving putt on 17 and closed out the tournament with a 2-putt for par for a 15-under total. He had entered the final round with a 3-shot lead before actually losing that to Spieth and Fowler when they made their charges. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. In the News Center, this is Brandon Bennett. A light earthquake occurred early this morning about four miles southeast of Arnold in Custer County, Nebraska. The National Earthquake Information Center says the quake, which registered a 3.3 on the Richter scale, originated at about 4.33 a.m., about three miles below the surface. No damage was reported. And according to the Wichita Eagle, another earthquake centered near Perry, Oklahoma, gave Kansas a good shake early this morning as well. A 4.5 magnitude earthquake hit about 17 miles west of Perry at 5.22 a.m. this morning, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. Perry, Oklahoma is about 100 miles south of Wichita, and people in both Wichita and as far away as Topeka reported they felt the quake as well. 
A Native American tribe has regained ownership of river bluffs, hardwood forests, and tall grass prairie lands along the Missouri River through an agreement with the Nature Conservancy of Nebraska. The Omaha World Herald reports that the Conservancy recently transferred 160 acres of Richardson County bluff land to the Iowa Drive of Kansas and Nebraska. The tribe and the Conservancy agreed to a conservation easement which prevents development incompatible with the land's ecological value. Advocates are working around the state of Nebraska to gather signatures to get a Medicaid expansion measure on the November ballot. 32 other states have expanded the program, but for six years, a proposal to do the same in Nebraska has not passed the unicameral. Molly McCrary, Deputy Director of the Healthcare Access Program at Nebraska Appleseed, says Montana expanded its Medicaid program in 2016, which a recent study found triggered a half trillion dollars in healthcare spending. And McCrary contends accepting the federal money for expansion should be a no-brainer. We use federal dollars for a lot of different programs, and we seem to have a hesitation around accepting federal dollars when it comes to caring for the health of our population, but we don't have that same hesitation for other programs like roads or ag, criminal justice, or things like that. About 85,000 signatures are needed by July to get the initiative on the November ballot. Fiddle playing will be celebrated this spring at the Homestead National Monument in southeastern Nebraska. The 20th annual Tallgrass Prairie Fiddle Festival and acoustic band contest will be held at the monument on May 26th. And officials say the Omaha Veterans Hospital was rated in the top 10% nationwide after a surprise inspection. The Omaha World Herald reports that the Department of Veterans Affairs, Nebraska Western Iowa Healthcare System, achieved a top five-star ranking. That's up from a three-star ranking in 2015. A newly released report said the system was among the 10 best in two categories, speedy access to specialty care and low rate of readmission from the same problem within 30 days. It trailed other VA hospitals and systems in the turnover of registered nurses and mental health coverage in rural areas. The audit did not cover unauthorized waiting lists for psychotherapy treatments at the Omaha Hospital or certain eye exams which were discovered by the Nebraska Western Iowa VA officials last year. Your phone is just one click away from closings and cancellations when you use our app. From the News Center, this is Brandon Bennett. The 90th Nebraska FFA State Convention concluded on Friday with the installment of the 2018-2019 State Officer Team. After much deliberation, the Selections Committee selected the 2018-2019 Nebraska FFA State Officer Team. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. Before the convention, 31 students applied to serve as Nebraska FFA State Officers. The candidates were part of an interview process conducted by the 2018 Nebraska FFA Nominating Committee. We spoke with each officer following the announcement on Friday. Jordan Pop is a member of the Broken Bow FFA chapter, and he will serve as state FFA vice president. I mean, I was just so so uh, excited for this opportunity to, to come to me. And I was just, uh, the whole time, I'm just thinking of, I mean, who's next and uh, just what this year is going to look like. Now, Jordan, tell us about some of your FFA experiences through your high school years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've uh, been very involved in the CDE events and the LSC events. Uh, CDE, probably more of the welding and uh, hands-on um, CDE events. But I've had a great time uh, in my FFA past, and I've just really gotten to um, love getting to meet people and talk to other producers along the state. Haley Andreessen will also serve as a vice president. I asked the Boone Central FFA member what went through her head as she heard her name be called as an officer. Like, no words, just excitement and 
chaos and just pure joy. Well, certainly some exciting times here at the 90th Nebraska FFA Convention. We'll ask the same question about your FFA experiences and kind of what ultimately led you to decide to want to run for state office. Um, you know, getting involved in FFA when I was younger, I really kind of drew to people who were passionate about the same things as me. And as I grew up, that, that passion um, to be around other people who, you know, were excited about the same things as me kind of grew. And I guess that kind of is what led me to this moment. I just, I love being around people who um, share the passion for agriculture. Marie Meese of the Elgin FFA chapter was also selected as a state vice president. She talks about the nominating committee interview process. Uh, it's a little intimidating to walk into 12 nominating committee members. So we had some one-on-one -on -one time with them, you in front of the whole committee, just a lot of different scenarios to see how you would react in situations state officers are put in. Marie, tell us a little bit about your uh, home chapter experience over the past four years of high school. I've actually been president of my chapter the past two years, so I've loved being a part of my chapter, seeing all the events um, my members have done that I've been a part of, and really working together as a chapter. Brittany Gamma of the Omaha Bryan FFA chapter is the first state officer from the school. The program is also one of the few urban agricultural education programs in the state. Wow, I just disbelieve. I can't believe I this happened. Like I, I feel like I'm dreaming. It's a literal dream come true. I remember looking at the state officers and telling myself I want to be just like them, and here I am today. Talk about the urban agriculture aspect of your education and maybe how that might differ from a traditional agricultural education program. So with our classes, we have to get creative with what we work with. So instead of having, you know, cropland, we have two raised garden beds. We're working with a hydroponic system at our school, and we work with small animals such as quail and rabbits. State Vice President Brooke Bell of the David City FFA chapter has been involved with agricultural education since middle school. Yeah, um, I became involved in FFA immediately in middle school, and I've been an officer on my team um, for all four years of high school. And I became involved in LDEs and CDEs, um, leadership development events and career development events, um, and have loved participating in events across the state. What was it about being a Nebraska FFA state officer that made you say, yes, I want to apply for that and ultimately be run up on stage as one of the state officers this year? It's the, um, the idea of serving um, such a great organization and such a great group of people and just being able to advocate for the agriculture industry in a whole. Grady Johnson, a member of the Holdridge FFA chapter, was selected as state secretary. He reflects on his FFA experiences. Uh, being a chapter officer three years, being able to serve the community and uh, just all the awards and uh, the applications, it, it's all worth it now. Um, it's been awesome, yeah. As your name was just called literally moments ago in the arena we're standing behind, what went through your head, Grady? Oh, <laughs> it was so surreal. Um, it was nuts, yeah. Uh, what's your message to FFA member is as, as you serve them over the next year? Uh, the FFA isn't just about uh, living on a farm. We're going to have a fun year no matter what. Um, it's about leadership and growing yourself. So, And finally, Amanda Most of the Ogallala FFA chapter will serve as state president. Ogallala High School just recently brought agricultural education into the school. Yes, we began in 2015 when I was a sophomore. So from a sophomore to now, you are now serving as a state association president. What went through your mind as your name was called? It's absolutely crazy. I remember leaving convention my sophomore year after my first convention and thinking how cool it would to be a state officer, but I never thought it would come true. And as you think about what you want your message to be for FFA members across this great state of Nebraska, what is that message, Amanda? My passion is FFA and agriculture, and I just hope that all of the students I meet throughout the year, I can help them find their passion, whatever it may be.
Throughout the next year, the Nebraska FFA officers will facilitate workshops, meet with business and industry representatives, visit FFA chapters, and serve as delegates to the National FFA Convention. We've heard from each of the 2018-2019 Nebraska FFA officers here on our Newsmaker. For more of our FFA Convention coverage, you can head over to RuralRadio.com. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskit on the Rural Radio Network. Now let's get a review of the livestock futures trade from Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, kind of a disappointment in the cattle today. We started out higher. We ended up mixed at the very end. Uh, sold off uh, really through half the, the last half of the session uh, to finish uh, lower on several contracts. Uh, and then the others uh, just barely higher. So very disappointing. And it also affected the feeders. The feeders the first three months finishing lower, the back end a little bit higher, uh, which indicates uh, some bear spreading too. Uh, cutouts were higher at noon. Uh, we traded some cattle a little bit higher on Friday, but uh, apparently uh, nothing uh, going on today. So I think that was taken uh, somewhat as a disappointment uh, uh, on, the, on the idea that the Packers uh, were thought to need uh, some more cattle, but uh, just didn't pan out. Just the opposite of the hogs. Hogs uh, finishing all... Uh, uh, with the exception of the April uh, contract, which closed higher, but uh, the rest of May through uh, December finishing over $2 higher. Cash a little bit higher, cutouts sharply higher, which helped in the uh, mood of the uh, hog pit. Looks like uh, maybe we might be trying to find a bottom here. So a uh, mixed day today in the uh, livestock. Joe Teal can be reached at Great Plains Commodities, 800-328-0134. Total cattle slaughter today has been estimated at 118,000, well above last week, which was the Easter week, 4,000 more than the same week one year ago, same Monday. And hog trade, 457,000 slaughter. That would be 10,000 more than the same Monday of one year ago. In a world of high-efficiency agriculture, animal handling and efficiency is one of the final frontiers, and we find out more on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to discuss this topic, Dr. Kev Sullivan of the Bell Veterinary Service, PAC Australia. And Dr. Sullivan, your program is called A Five-Star Resort to Leading Cattle. Kind of explain your system and what it means. Well, the the concept of a five-star resort is that Everybody loves a five-star resort. Everybody loves how you get looked after at a five-star resort, how people show you around, they take you to your room, you've got a well-laid-out room, you've got everything you need is there and provided for you, and you, you don't want for anything. Well, we need to grab that concept and take that into our, into our livestock, take that into our feed yard. So when those cattle come off the truck, there's someone there to welcome them off the truck, to build their confidence, let them know that... You know, we're here to care for you. When they go to their receival pen, that there's already food in the bunk, that the water is already clean and ready, and that somebody leads those animals to the pen and shows them around the pen, shows them where the, where the food is, where the water is, and the pen is clean. They're, they're not walking into a pen with two foot of mud, right? The pen's clean and there's bedding there. And spend the time, a little bit of time with those animals, 
just so they can relax and have a drink and, and have something to eat and to rest and to lie down. And likewise, every time you move these animals around, you go through the same experience. You come into the pen and say, OK, guys, it's time to get up. We're going to go processing and take them off to the processing barn. And then once that's finished, once again, you lead them and you take them to their home pen. So every time you move these animals, there's an opportunity to interact with them, to build their confidence and build their trust in the people, in the pen, in the food, in the bunk, in the water. And, and if they do that, then they eat and they drink and they rest and they get rid of their anxiety. And because of that, the vaccines work better. They don't get so sick. Their immune system works better. And so what we try to do with our, with our stock people and our, our pen riders is to look at wellness in the cattle and look trying to develop wellness rather than worry about sickness. If you have wellness, you don't have as much sickness. Dr. Sullivan, you've talked about uh, these cattle in a five-star resort, but you also say it takes five-star stock men and women to be able to do that. So talk to us about the men and women in feed yards that you've talked to and how you've helped to develop their stockmanship skills. The, uh, one of the guys who's helped me a lot with this, uh, a stocky over there in Australia, he's, he's 62 years old. And when we first presented him with this concept maybe seven or eight years ago, uh, he'd been a stocky for 50 years, and he just said, wow, this is, this is just great with what we're doing. And then you've got other people who are just blind, uh, close their ears, close their mind. Um, but if you can develop a culture within the feed yard from the manager to the, the um, supervisors, once you, if the management and the supervisors, if they, if they want this to happen and have a belief this will happen, it'll filter right through to the whole team. If that upper management aren't interested or, or think it's stupid or whatever, which they do from time to time, then it never goes anywhere. The, everybody has to be on board. The, the feed team, those guys making the feed, delivering the feed, they've also got to be on board. It's, it's not one person in isolation can't make this happen. It's a, it's a whole team is needed to make this work. That's Dr. Kev Sullivan of the Bell Veterinary Practice, Pack Australia, talking about his five-star cattle handling service and his five-star stockmen and women. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grains. And, John, we're starting the week off right with Grains in the Green. Yeah, big time uh, export news this morning. Good shipments out. I would say it was a record day, a record week uh, a week ago as far as the amount of movement off our shores. So you're starting to see that uh, gearing effect that we we thought we'd see once the Argentinian crop has kind of failed. So this is something that I think we're just going to start to see. I uh, I look for more of that as we get into the summer. And you know, with Wazi tomorrow, I think you saw some profit taking into the close. So I don't I don't think the party's over yet. And then we've got crop progress coming out this afternoon. What about it? Yeah, that, that'll that be the big one. And it's kind of a debate here of what's moving the wheat market. Is it what's happened with uh, the lack of rainfall or is it the freeze that they, they're getting right now and, and they're going to be continuing to see here in the coming days? Uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've been told so many different things by wheat producers about, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to kill the crop. These freezes aren't a reason to buy the market. But uh, it does feel like we're going to run back up to those highs in the KC wheat, 560. At that point, if you are planting wheat next year, you might want to look at some marketing opportunities for the new crop July of 2019. That will be around 610, 620 at that level. I think that's where you probably want to get started. Uh, 
we haven't traded six dollar cash wheat uh, but for a couple of days uh, a month uh, last year at this time um, I have a hard time believing we're going to do it again given that uh, the rubles continue to weak we've got global stocks that are going to be up year over year but uh, the USDA report tomorrow might give us some love on the wheat markets uh, so be ready on that that's 20 cents 30 cents higher before I think we'll top and then we're seeing a little bit of weakness here in the US dollar today is that a, a point of um, excitement here for the grains Oh, I don't know. I mean, the, the weakness is coming against the euro and the yen. Uh, the the real, which is really the one I watch when it comes to beans and corn, that's really weak, actually. We're trading on like five or six-month lows uh, and actually went down real hard this morning as uh, um, there was some news broke that they did lock up their ex-president down there. I don't know what that means for uh, for sales, but producers, from what we've heard down in Brazil, are, are putting a lid on things right now as prices are spiking. We are seeing some selling by the U.S. producer here, but... Uh, you know, it comes down to whether we're going to grow it or not. So tomorrow's USDA report, uh, probably I would skew, be bullish for corn, maybe skew a little bearish for for, for wheat and uh, and soybeans. Uh, but tonight's crop progress report on wheat will be friendly. And then, of course, the export numbers on Thursday should look pretty good for, for corn and soybeans alike. So I don't think, I think we'll digest the report pretty, pretty quickly, look at what these quote-unquote harvest days delays are going to look like in the coming weeks, and then kind of get into uh, more of a summer row crop market. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing Chicago. Find out more at DanielsAgMarketing.com. That's DanielsAgMarketing.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.